Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 130, Prepping Your Car for a Smog Test. First off, I want to give uh, credit to uh, one of my customers who came up with this title and, and uh, subject matter. He was, uh, car was, his car was uh, needing a smog test, and he had actually called me at the shop, and we were talking about it. And, and uh, of course, he gets the newsletter that I produce, and uh, I always ask for new ideas. And I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that one, turning that one into a, a podcast, but he had emailed me back and said, hey, uh, why don't you make a podcast out of that? So thank you, Quentin appreciate it if you're listening so anyway um real quick just want to do a quick commercial um i i do appreciate there is the uh, you do have the ability to subscribe to the podcast and help uh help uh, with uh offset different costs of the podcast itself and in future training and and tools and so on and so forth uh to do that if you go to podbean.com uh do a search for brad kyle's motorworks podcast when you come to the home page on the upper right-hand corner, there's a um, uh, icon on there to, for a link where you can go to uh, become a patron. Click on that. I'm asking for $5 a month. You can give less. You can give more. Uh, it doesn't have to be ongoing. It certainly can be if you want it to be. You could donate one time or as, as much as you like. And the advantage of doing that is besides helping uh, offset costs, is that I've taken about 12 to 15 of the previous podcasts, and they're only available uh, by subscription, okay? So it opens up uh, some, some podcasts I've done in the past that, frankly, if you, the, based on the subject matter and, and hopefully uh, the information that I, I give to you, um, it, uh, if you, uh, you know, apply that in your automotive life, so to speak, as far as uh, some of the suggestions and recommendations I make, I know there's no doubt you're going to save potentially uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars over the life of, or over your life of uh, owning a car or cars, and uh, certainly help, so hopefully help reduce uh, frustration and whatever as far as car repair and car ownership and whether you should buy an extended service contract, things like that. So check that out. And uh, like I say, I appreciate any, any uh, financial help that can be uh, had is always welcome. Uh, again, getting back to this one, prepping your car for a smog test. Uh, two that you may want to check out from previous that kind of expands on this, but also uh, they are separate podcasts. One is episode number 11, which is maintenance versus repair. And the other one is episode 64, which is home car repair code readers. Good luck. Okay. I think they're applicable and apropos for what I'm going to talk about on this one. So, uh, smog tests themselves, they, they certainly vary from state to state, whether they're even required or not. Of course, I am talking about the U.S. of A. Uh, other countries, I have really no idea what, if any, smog testing they have as far as cars. But this is really, I'm going to talk kind of in generalities. I mean, I, I live and work in California. As far as in the, in the USA, uh, California has some of the strictest smog laws. So from that standpoint, if your car can pass in uh Smog test in California, it'll probably pass just about anywhere, but that's neither here nor there if you don't live in California. 
Um, but again, I'm, I'm going to sort of talk in generalities, but I will be talking from my experience in regards to car, uh, in, excuse me, in regards to smog testing. And a quick uh, <clears throat> bit of uh, knowledge and a disclaimer. I have previously in my automotive career been licensed to do smog testing. Okay, when I was working at the dealership, uh, I, I kept up my smog license. Um, basically, it was I was doing that from 1984 until about 95. When I went out on my own, I just made a kind of a financial business decision at the time, and I'll talk about this more here later on. But at the time to do smog testing as a repair shop, you had to have about thirty to fifty thousand dollars in equipment. Okay, and with me being by myself, and I'm the only one who's paying that off it would pretty much be financial suicide for me to get involved in smog testing. So I decided, you know, again, obviously not to do that. And since I wasn't doing it, I didn't bother keeping up my smog licensing. Okay. So just want to make you aware of that. That doesn't mean that I've, you know, forgotten what I know. It also doesn't mean that I don't. Everything that comes across my desk from a reading standpoint, I certainly do read it. But I'm not applying it every day. Uh, as if I am a, you know, current working smog licensed technician. But in any case, um, smog testing does vary from state to state. Um, first thing you need to know is that if your car presently or before you go to have a test, if the service engine soon light or what's also known as the check engine light, uh, the technical term that we call it would be the mill light, M-I-L as in malfunction indicator light. If that is on, um, the technician, he's going to be checking that from a visual standpoint, okay? He's checking to see if it's on with the engine running, which it shouldn't be. Uh, he's also going to check to see if it comes on with just the ignition on. That would be what's called a bulb test or a bulb check test, okay? In other words, you want to see it come on so you know the bulb's working, but then when you start the engine, it should go off, okay? If it's on, it will fail the test right there just for the visual as far as that particular check. So just to let you know that, sometimes people don't know that. So um, there's the visual check also includes checking to see if the gas cap is there, uh, looking under the car and seeing if the uh, a catalytic converter is present, and then checking the car, it makes sure it has all the smog equipment that it's supposed to have. Now, again, this is all visual. They're also checking for any, uh, you know, fuel leaks, uh, any unusual smells and or excessive smoking. Now, obviously, excessive smoking is a rather subjective thing, but it is up to the technician that if they feel that they can't uh, safely perform the test, whether it be that the car might be damaged or uh, obviously, you know, uh, uh, the person might be hurt or something. I mean, as a, for instance, if there's obviously a fuel leak, probably not a good idea to, you know, maybe you shouldn't even be driving the car, but bottom line is, is they don't want to have something happen that all of a sudden the car starts on fire or something like that. And again, excessive smoking means that there is something wrong, whether it be in the engine or whatever the case may be. And so uh, they are allowed to stop the test and or fail it because of excessive smoking. Okay. Um, and of course, obviously, if, if these are known issues, you want to have them fixed before you try to get it smogged, obviously. Okay. The best thing you can do really for any car is just keep up on the normal maintenance. Okay. Um, you know, certainly you can go by what the manufacturer says. That information is typically somewhere either within the owner's manual or something to that effect. Uh, obviously, if you, if you don't have an owner's manual, it's certainly possible to go online and look up for your specific 
make model of car if you do that i would kind of recommend to try to go to the factory website okay um i mean they will cover older cars back to a point uh, they don't cover everything necessarily obviously again it depends on the manufacturer of your car and how up they are about you know making owner's manuals available or in this case what you're looking for again is the normal maintenance schedule so to me following that is like a minimum okay uh, I certainly as I've talked about in other podcasts I certainly am a definitely a big advocate of recommending changing the oil and uh, engine oil and filter more often I talk to customers about 5,000 mile intervals but that's me uh, BMW specifically can go upwards of 15,000 according to BMW uh, the funny part is is that they've been slowly backing that mileage figure down especially when they went to turbocharging uh, again I, I've talked about that in other um, uh, previous podcasts as far as turbocharging and oil changes so if you do have a turbocharged engine that you're running uh, you certainly want to at least follow what the manufacturer says and again I would even recommend doing it you know a lot more often than that so but you want to keep up with with keep current with whatever is the recommended maintenance items to be replaced so we're talking about things like the engine air filter maybe fuel filter if it has a replaceable one certainly spark plugs and again the oil change is especially um, important because believe it or not it can actually affect the emission readings I have had cars where again I don't do smog repairs but I do have customers where the car has failed and either the smog test station or smog check and repair station doesn't want to get involved with it because oh hey we don't really do a lot of work on BMWs is their sort of thought process um, they end up referring it to me or the customer finds me and you know I make it clear to them that there are some uh, issues with doing smog repairs by a non-licensed technician in a non-licensed shop okay I make them very aware of that in the state of California I won't go into it in detail but in the state of California the state can't really tell you as the owner of the car who to have work on the car I mean you could do the repairs you yourself if you wanted to okay but the bottom line is is that in the state of California they do put a cost limitation on uh, what you do or don't have to spend on smog uh, testing and more importantly repairing of the car it varies from car to car based on you know year make model whatever the newer the car it is the higher the cost limitation so in other words uh, let's just say your car fails and there's a cost limitation of let's say four hundred dollars okay the only way that cost limitation applies on the repairs is if the repairs are done by a smog license technician in a smog license shop and again this is in the state of California okay other states who knows um, that's for kind of for you to uh, call around and find out and it's certainly quite possible you may live in a state that has no smog test requirements so there you go okay um, so if if the work is done by anyone else besides a smog license technician in a smog license shop then that cost limitation doesn't apply okay it doesn't count okay so any money you spend it, it's yeah it's your money but you're still on your own so this is where um, you know if, if a shop I always tell customers up front what the situation is okay I make them fully aware 
of basically what I just said, okay? And they understand, and the last thing I say to them is, look, um, you're going to probably naturally ask the question that if, if, if your car does, if it's failed smog and it's at my shop and I'm, not, I'm no longer a licensed technician and my shop isn't licensed and I certainly don't have the equipment to test it, so at the end of the process of whatever it is that I, I tell you is wrong with it and you have me fix it, the natural question you're going to ask is, is, okay, well, when I take this back to the smog station, is it going to pass smog? And my response right up front is, I have absolutely no idea, okay, because I don't have the equipment to test it. And so you're basically leaving uh, trusting that I'm whatever I did is going to fix it and it's going to pass smog. Okay, uh, and again, there are certainly things you can and should do ahead of time, even if your car appears to be running fine. You know, again, getting back to the maintenance situation, you want to you want to take care of those things anyway. I mean, that should be a natural thing. Okay, um, so you know, again, it's oh, getting back to I'm sorry, um, getting back to the oil change. I I have had cars where they came in and and they failed and maybe I did find something wrong. One of the things would be if, if the, uh, the car is running too rich, in other words, if it has too much fuel getting in or not enough air, that extra fuel can get into the oil and contaminate it. And it can start to, um, you know, as the engine is running, those fumes, those vapors from the crankcase are going to be fed back into the intake manifold through the crankcase ventilation system and so what ends up happening is the car ends up running too rich. So even though a repair was made that fixed why it was running rich, it's a good idea to have the oil changed, okay? Get some fresh oil in there. It's nice and clean. And again, it could very well, uh, you know, help to contribute to the car passing the smog, especially, again, if that, if that oil is old, okay? Just change it, okay? If it's old and it's dirty and, and it, maybe it's due to be changed anyway, Change it before you have the smog test done. I mean, why not? Okay. Um, and like I say, it can definitely affect uh, whether or not potentially whether the car passes the smog or not. Now, if the check engine light or service engine soon light was on and you had, had repairs done, and of course they hopefully cleared the fault codes, so now the light is off. Okay, that's a good thing. Uh, hopefully they tell you this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, in the United States, according to the EPA, we have what's called OBD2, Onboard Diagnostics Generation 2. Now, there's another podcast I talk a lot about this, more, way more in depth. But the bottom line is, is that part of the, of the normal operation of OBD2 is anytime the fault codes are cleared, um, in the background while you're driving the car, there's what's called monitoring tests. Okay, These are running a a as you drive the car. You don't know any of this is happening. And it's testing about 8 to 10 different systems in the car as, a, for instance, like fuel vapor leak, catalytic converter operation, oxygen sensor operation. Uh, is there any misfire codes? There's just there's a lot going on in the background. OK, the way this is designed is and the reason that it's one of the reasons why they went to a generation two is that when those fault codes are cleared, it also clears out all of the results of the monitor tests. Okay, so in other words, you can't. What you can't do is, let's say, not fix the car, have a technician real quick clear the fault codes, and then go run over and have your uh, car 
run through the smog test hoping that it'll pass because whatever is actually wrong maybe hasn't had enough time to actually manifest itself to where it generated a fault code again and the service engine soon light came back on okay so what happens is that the faults are cleared the monitor tests need time to run if you try to go ahead and have it tested under that circumstance the smog test the smog technician will fail it because all of the monitor tests haven't run and passed okay it takes two complete drive cycles to have the monitor tests run and hopefully pass. And when I say complete, I mean starting from a dead, cold engine. Okay, Not one that was run today and turned off six hours later. Dead, cold. Okay, So that means at, at minimum it takes at least two days for all these tests to run because the system wants to see two complete drive cycles. So it takes obviously two days minimum to have these tests run and hopefully pass. Okay, It can take quite a bit more than that because it also depends on how you drive the car. Okay, There's what's called an EPA drive cycle that if you were to read it, which it's available, if you Google it, you can find EPA mandated drive cycle. And it's like, who wrote this thing? Okay. Um, Nobody would ever drive the car that way. Number one, it'd be doubtful that you'd have uh, such a lack of traffic to where you could do what they want you to do. I mean, part of it is driving uh, for like 15 to 20 minutes straight without varying the throttle at like 45 to 50 miles an hour without ever varying the throttle. Well, isn't there a thing called traffic out there? I mean, so it could take days for this to completely run. The only thing that you do have control over at the beginning of the test and at the end of the test is an idling period, okay, letting the engine just idle, okay. That you have control over because you're not driving the car. You're just letting the engine run. So what I tell people, and this does help in some of the testing, is on day one, when the engine's cold, start it up, leave it in park or neutral, do not touch the throttle, don't go anywhere, don't move the car, nothing and let it idle for three minutes okay you're probably going to want to get a uh, you know a second sweep second hand to watch it okay because three minutes is a long time and you're just sitting there waiting for it to to you know clock off three minutes of engine idling so again you can't put it in gear you can't go anywhere you are sitting there letting it run for a minimum of three minutes okay then go ahead and start your drive wherever it is you're going to go okay at the end of that drive put it back in park or neutral and let it idle for another three minutes before you shut it off that is the only thing you really have control over in regards to that epa drive cycle road test type thing okay uh because again you're not actually driving the car it's not moving okay everything else uh, you just, you know, you're driving it, and, and it doesn't surprise me if it takes three, four, five, six, seven days for the drive cycle to run and complete, or two of them, I should say, okay? Um, so I, you know, um, keep that in mind. If your car is due up, like in California, I mean, we have to have our cars smogged every other year uh, for part, as part of our registration renewal. Don't let that thing go to the last couple of days, Okay. Uh, you might think that, oh, yeah, it's going to pass. It'll be fine. And for some reason, it doesn't. Well, now now what are you going to do? Okay, Because even if you can get it repaired, uh, 
if it's only a couple days left before you're supposed to send in that registration uh, with the smog certificate, uh, you're going to run out of time. Now, luckily, what you can do, again, in California, is go ahead and pay the registration. Uh, so that way you don't have a, a late payment kind of a charge. Okay, In other words, get, get your payment in on time. And that way you won't have a late payment charge. But what will happen uh, is that the DMV will contact you and say, look, this is an incomplete registration because we don't have your smog certificate. Okay, so you don't you haven't actually renewed completely your registration, but you've at least paid for it. And uh, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I, I think if by chance, you know, if your sticker on your license plate is now outdated and you by chance got pulled over, I believe that if the you know policeman were to run the registration they would see that it's it's partially done and you could certainly tell them what happened you know that hey i've got it still got to get it smogged i'm having problems with it whatever it's better than doing nothing okay so at least go ahead and send the payment in anyway okay uh, another thing to let you know is again in the state of california since uh the model year of 2001 uh the the uh, Bureau of Automotive Repair, which is is under this in the state of California, is under the Department of Consumer Affairs. The Bureau of Automotive Repair is the one that's in charge of like licensing smog test stations and and technicians and registering repair shops and so on and so forth. They're in charge of all that, so they take care of all the rules and regulations and all that. Well, they came out with, uh, or they helped design a device that's called, we call it a DAD. It's a, called a data acquisition device. Basically what it means is, and again, this is just, you know, FYI for you. If your car is a 2001 model year or later, okay, or in other words, newer, they don't necessarily have to do the old style where they put your car, again, this is California, where they put your car literally on like a chassis dyno and they're they're putting a sniffer up the tailpipe where they're actually checking the exhaust emissions coming out of the tailpipe as the car is being put under different simulated loads okay they don't have to do that anymore they can plug into the obd2 um, port okay diagnostic port and basically they've they feel they've gathered enough data and enough information that if the car says it's okay then it's okay and it passes the smog okay so it does make the smog repair or excuse me the smog test process a lot quicker it also potentially opens up to where there can be a lot more smog check stations because now you don't necessarily have to spend the thirty to fifty thousand dollars to have the chassis dyno equipment that i was talking about earlier okay um, I still have chosen not to do smogs anyway, again, mostly really because I only work on BMWs. And so I don't want people calling me, hey, I got a Ford, I got this, I got that, because I'm not going to be working on it anyway. Okay, But again, just to let you know what that is, if, if all you see them doing is plugging in some kind of a tool uh, and you know pushing some buttons or whatever, and the car either, again, passes or fails, uh, and certainly, again, if the service engine Sunlight is already on, you might as well, you, you should just need to go ahead and have that taken care of and find out why is it on, because again, it's going to fail the smog anyway, okay? So, you know, take, take care of that whole situation. Um, let's see. If it does fail... Um, and again, if you want to, this work to be done by, you know, properly at a smog licensed 
repair facility by a small licensed technician. That's what you're looking for is that scenario. And what they should do, the process should be, is that they should specifically go in there and diagnose what's wrong, why did it fail smog, okay, the smog test. And be able to tell you, okay, here's what's wrong, and this is what it's going to take to fix it, okay. And again, if it's in a smog license repair facility with a smog license technician, uh, you certainly can talk to them about the cost limitation situation. Understand, and I didn't say this earlier, in regards to the cost limitation, Basically, what that does is is that it it you have to you're you're obligated to spend up to whatever X is the cost limitation. Their job is to fix the car or to attempt to fix it and bring the emissions down. What's mo what's the most effective reduction within that cost limitation? Okay, if the car then passes, great, it passes and you're good for another two years. Okay, to your next registration. If it doesn't, if it fails you may end up having to take the car to what's called a referee station, okay, which is run by the state. They will uh, document and verify all of this stuff. They will probably do their own smog test. And based on all of that, if it still fails, what you basically end up with is a two-year one-time extension. Okay? So it gives you two years to either fix the car, even though you've already paid the cost limitation, assuming you want to keep the car. Uh, you have another two years to either fix the car or get rid of it, okay? And getting rid of it meaning that you're probably not going to be selling it within the state of California, okay? At least not to a private party because that's the other time that you have to have a smog certificate, a valid smog certificate, is when the car is being sold unless you're trading it in at the dealership. If it's a trade-in, then you don't have to worry about that, okay? That becomes their problem as far as whether it passes smog or not. So food for thought on that one. Um, and I think that's about it, really. Um, you know, just some, some thoughts about smog testing and, and what you can do. You know, the bottom line is, is that if you keep your car in proper, you know, maintenance and, and proper, uh, you know, uh, condition, uh, you may never... It may never uh, fail the smog unless the engine, unless flat the engine's worn out and it's it can no longer operate efficiently enough to where the catalytic converter can clean up the exhaust to where you don't have either a fault code that's being generated or you know the car again it's it's got they're doing a, a you know leakage test on it or whatever or, or uh, you know things like that where the car fails the the smog test so. If you keep it properly maintained, the odds are it may you may never have a problem with it. Okay, so oil changes and I mean this just the basic stuff: air filters, fuel filters, spark plugs, oil changes. That's all you know, good stuff. That's a normal maintenance type thing to have replaced, and it certainly helps to you know helps your car to keep good good fuel mileage, low emissions, and run properly, and and obviously again hopefully pass the smog test. So. That's about it for this one. Uh, hopefully that uh, gave you some good information to, uh, you know, kind of decide and make a make a game plan as far as if your car is due for a smog or, or again, just to, uh, you know, for normal maintenance. So I appreciate your time. Appreciate your listening. Uh, once again, check out that, you know, podbean.com, Brad Kyle's Motorworks podcast. If you want to go ahead and subscribe uh, to the podcast, I would appreciate it. And, um, I appreciate you listening. I hope you got something out of it. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow. Thank you again.
Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you. I hope you found this of value. Please share it with family and friends. Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you. And thank you again.